0: Welcome. This is a What If I Told You podcast. A show where we keep our friends close and our enemies toaster.
1: That's what's up.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep slipping in the
1: trailer park boys references and see if anyone gets it immediately. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good plan of attack. Yeah. I mean he has some zingers. Um you all typically get midweek evening Emily and Maddie um this is 8 a.m Sunday morning Emily and Maddie yeah um it's it's unfortunate I've
1: never looked better I'll be honest same um I have two coffees and a water
0: I have a coffee and I just thought about how I don't have a straw for it so and it's gonna be loud as fuck and i'm gonna have to edit out every time i take a drink of that shit do you want a glass straw no i mean i what do i have like four chugs left in that i do really like that starbucks
1: is doing the sip through lid
0: i also like that
1: i'm super into it and i wish all of the other places that give you drinks to go would do the sip through lid
0: yeah i feel like it I feel like I drink things faster with a straw, Mm -hmm. so I feel like this makes me, like...
1: Get your money's worth? Yeah. Yeah, so please, you know, for the sake of the ecosystem,
0: let's do a sip through lid, people. Right. Don't be a monster. Yeah, stop being such a dick. We don't need straws. Yeah, and if they give you one, just give them a look and a thumbs down and hand it back to them. That's right. Brody's a big fan of instead of, like honking at people like just rolling down his window and going
1: mm, i love to honk at people
0: mm. yeah but see i also love honking at people but they may not know it's for them
1: mm. i feel like you if somebody's doing something that warrants a honk and then you honk at them they know they know what they have done oh
0: yeah absolutely
1: um I do think that that if you honk at the wrong person, shit could go sideways, and this, I feel like has almost happened to me, a fellow in Lee-Summit driving a gigantic red Ford diesel, so make your own assumptions about that dude was we we were in traffic <clears throat> together for quite some time through yeah. several lights and he was in front of me at one point the light turns green and I give you I give them a solid five count before I honk
0: which is a long time at a red light which
1: is a pretty long time but I'm trying to be understandable. So then I give him just... And I'm not like one... I don't like blare the horn. I'm just like, beep. Yeah. This is the course of nature when you are driving in traffic. Yeah. You got to pay attention. Well, at some point he's behind me and I am in an exit lane exiting. And the green light is for the straight. The... Exit turn lane does not have a light. You have to wait for the other traffic to stop. Right. And we had people. It was just a crazy situation. So I'm slowing down to make the turn. He's behind me. I swear to God, there was a hair's breadth of distance between my bumper and his bumper. And he was like just laying on his horn at me. mm And I just fucking stopped. Good. I was like, fucking hit me, please. (laughs) I could see him in his truck back there acting all crazy. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, (laughs) yeah, real cool, bud. Mm -hmm. Your big truck makes me real scared. Jesus, it was ridiculous. (laughs)
0: I don't know why people are the way that they
1: are. Thank God he wasn't an actual psychopath who decided to, you know, then just get out of the truck and come stab me or something. All right.
0: All right.
1: Which did happen. Yes, it did. In Lee Summit on 470, like, yeah. two years ago.
0: <laughs> God damn!
1: Fucking road rage just followed this dude, stabbed him. That's a little bit of an overreaction, my man.
0: You probably sat too long in a red light, so... I mean, fuck. Hmm. Um, now that you've learned to not tailgate Maddie... <laughs> or just be a dick in traffic in general...
1: Yeah, just be considerate.
0: Yeah. Um, if you agree, you should go check out our social media, Instagram, TikTok... Maddie is doing a new TikTok segment, True Crime News. That's very informative. Mm-hmm. I have, like, several that I need to record today. It's on the agenda. So if you want to stay up to date with um, the shit you seem to be interested in, go ahead and check that out. Yeah. And we already talked about how this morning we're drinking coffee. Um, I got Starbucks because... I I didn't have the energy to drive to Lee Summit and then here to go to Post, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which would have been, you know, much better. Well, yeah, but it is what it is. This will do. And for Chip's Corner today, we just want to let everyone know that Chip's birthday was last week. Mm -hmm. He turned... 107. That's a solid age. Yeah. So, I'm
1: trying to think of how old Dumbledore was whenever he died. Like, 173 or something? He was old as shit. Did you... Fun fact. Okay, you You know, I've been following a lot of Lord of the Rings on creators on TikTok. They do, like, really obscure Lord of the Rings facts, which I don't know why i find so interesting. <laughs> um... In the events that take place in the three Lord of the Rings books, Aragorn is fucking 88 years old. Damn. That's a ripe age. <laughs> I think on Middle Earth, that's just kind of like, not
0: that old, but... Yeah, it's like a, like a 40 maybe.
1: Yeah. And like the hobbits, I knew the hobbits were... In their 30s, in the books, obviously. Um, Frodo, I think, was like 39, but hobbits come of age at 30 or 31. And so they're all like in the movies, they look very young because it, you know, Frodo's played by Elijah Wood and he's got that like childlike innocence about his face. Yeah. He also always gets mistaken for Daniel Radcliffe.
0: (laughs) That's so weird to me. That happens
1: to both of them. I'm pretty sure that Dan, in an interview, he was talking about how someone came up to him and was like, "I really loved you as Frodo," and he, he was like, "Thank you," (laughs) just accepted it.
0: I don't think they look alike at all.
1: I don't even. I, I do get it. They're both kind of like on the shorter side. Pale, brown hair, large blue eyes. So I get it, but, <laughs> I mean, I've been watching the movies for my whole life, so I would never mistake Elijah Wood for Daniel Radcliffe, but yeah. I get it. <laughs> Especially for people who are, like, not white. <laughs> I get it, for yeah. sure. Like, just two white, blue-eyed dudes. Yeah. They're the same.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes
1: sense. Because I think a lot of it happened, like, doing press in Asia. They, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, they look identical. (laughs) Just Dan or Elijah, who cares? But I think, I feel like one of them said that they signed an autograph for the other. Just like, I'm not going to correct this person, they're... They're full of joy. Why ruin it? Right. So they're just like, sure, fuck it. Yeah. Which is very precious. That is precious. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, They're making a Lord of the Rings uh, TV series on Amazon, by the way.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: (sighs) It's, like, going to take place before the events of Lord of the Rings. So <clears throat> I don't I know anything. It's exciting else
0: about when it. they do things like that.
1: It is. It's also kind of like, what? You, what? Uh, how's this gonna go? Yeah. You know, I've heard a lot of people request like Harry Potter versions of this, wanting it to wanting them to do. Um, there's been two thrown out, like wanting them to do one on the Marauders. So, like, when James and Sirius and Remus are in school, but also people want them to do one of the founders, so the four founders of Hogwarts. Both could be interesting. I feel like we would be more invested in a Marauders version because we know, like, Sirius and Remus. Right. And fucking oh. Wormtail. the little bastard.
0: Yeah, I feel like they probably couldn't do too much with really either of them. It would be like a one season type deal.
1: I think if they... I think they could get more seasons. Well, there are some really creative writers out there. Depending on who was writing for it, obviously J.K. Rowling has been very... She's gate kept a lot of the Harry Potter stuff, obviously. yeah. So she would probably write for it. I bet she could get several seasons out of both mm. Just the uh, if they did like started at the four founders getting together and starting so like year one of Hogwarts period and then going through the relationship. Breakdown between the three and Slytherin. Yeah. And then him, like, breaking away. I bet they could... They fucking made multiple seasons out of the last Game of Thrones shit. They drug that out, so... Not that I want them to do that with any Harry Potter (laughs) situation, because then they'd ruin it and I would hate it, but... I mean... It's always a gamble, it's either gonna be great or it's gonna be shit that's exactly right and <clears throat> fans of lord of the rings and harry potter are very opinionated so that's probably why it's taken them so long to do anything with lord of the rings and why there's nothing for harry potter yet yeah because they're like if we're gonna do it we got to fucking prepare because these people are gonna come hard for us
0: yeah because there's not really a need but right. if they're going to do it, like... Yeah. The thing
1: is, is even if it's shit, <laughs> everyone's going to watch it. Right. So. I don't know. They're either going to watch it and love it or hate watch it.
0: <laughs> Feel obligated.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're just going to be pissed the whole time. Which, I mean, you know,
0: sometimes you need to just do that. That's true. Well, today we are covering, um, something real fucked up. Yeah, you all know this guy. Yeah. Um, he's probably one of the worst serial killers. Mm Mm-hmm. By, by numbers. Yeah. It's Gary Ridgway, a.k.a. the Green River Killer.
1: Yep. <clears throat>
0: so, <clears throat> um, please don't listen to this if murder is triggering for you. If there are little kids riding in your back seat right now. Yeah. Um, just go ahead and go listen to, I don't know, Skinwalker Ranch instead. Mm-hmm. Or um, the Roanoke episode, maybe. Yeah. Something light. That one's pretty fun. Yeah. the Bermuda Triangle. Yep. Also pretty fun. Area 51. Hmm. Maybe a child would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so have we decided that we're not going to name off all of these victims. Yeah, I it's a lot of people. It's a lot and I personally feel like if I was listening to a podcast about Gary Ridgway and they started naming off the victims, I would hit the skip ahead 30 second buck, you know, button two or three times. Yeah, probably. So if you didn't know this, he had 49 confirmed victims. Yeah. And we typically always read out victim names in situations like this. Because usually there's, like, nine. <laughs> right. Um, but we simply cannot do that. Mm-hmm. We could. Um, it might have to be its own episode. But that's just too much. So we will post something on our socials. Yeah. For y'all to see all the names... Mm Mm-hmm. Ages. Yeah.
1: I could potentially find photos of all of these people or make something with their names on it. Right? We'll figure something out. But uh, (laughs) just reading all the names seems really excessive.
0: Super excessive.
1: So, 49 is the confirmed number. There's... Uh, a lot more than just the forty nine
0: confirmed. Yeah. Allegedly. So it's a lot of fucking people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. A lot. Oh people. It takes up three like almost four pages of this outline. Cool yeah. cool. Yeah cool. it fucking does. Yeah. Okay, so obviously we're going to profile Gary Ridgway, and we're going to start with his childhood, because we're going to keep this shit linear. Um, so apparently his childhood wasn't that great. Oh, shocked. Yeah. Super shocked. Um, so his full name is Gary Leon Ridgway, and he was born February 18th, 1949, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And he was the second son of Mary and Thomas Ridgway, who they had three sons. So he had two brothers, an older, a younger. So he's a middle. Oof. Poor Jan. Um let's see. His life his home life was fairly troubled troubled. Oh my god, it's eight AM. Relatives have described his mother. Ooh, we've got mommy problems relatives described Gary's mother as domineering, and um, some have said that while he was young, he witnessed more than one violent argument between his parents. So, I don't know if that means, like, there was abuse coming from both sides or what. It didn't really specify on that, but... Apparently, his parents would violently fight. Right. Cool. Uh, His father was a bus driver and would often complain about the presence of sex workers. So, keep that in your pocket because it's going to become relevant later. Uh, Ridgway had a bedwetting problem until he was 13. Ugh and his mother would wash his genitals after every bedwetting episode. Uh no, no, no. You can't you can't be doing that. No. Ridgway would later tell Psychologists that as an adolescent he had conflicting feelings of anger and sexual attraction toward his mother and would often fantasize about killing her. Whoa! Obviously, this reminds us of some of our previous installments. It seems to be a pattern here. seems to be a pattern, so we're getting very Ed Gein vibes, Ed Kemper vibes. I also noted here that if his name was Ed instead of Gary, we would have an Ed, Ed, and Ed episode.
0: That's not okay. I am never going to trust anyone I meet named Ed or Edward at this point.
1: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um...
0: And Gary too. I don't know anyone named Gary, but I don't think I do either. But to me, Gary seems like a, you know, like a sweet 68, 69 year sixty-nine-year-old man that has a lake house, loves mm-hmm. his grandkids. You know. Yeah. See, when I think of the name
1: Gary, I think of Parks and Rec. You know, Gary Gergich. Right. Who, whose name is missed. Pronounced as Jerry Gurgich, and then it's Larry, and then it's Terry. So <laughs> that's
0: who I think of. But, uh, so you were kind of very close. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like a Gary would, you know, be like, yeah, I help yourself to what whatever's in the fridge. Yeah. You know? Right. But here we are.
1: Here we are. 49 with... victims. Ugh. Um, So, anyway, uh, Ridgway was dyslexic and held back a year in high school. His reported IQ was in the low 80s. Now, for reference, the average IQ in the U.S. is approximately 98, with a range from 85 to 115 as being the normal range, which I have just... I don't, I've always thought of the average IQ as being 100, which 98 is basically like 100, but 85 to 115, 85 seems so low to me. It's crazy. I've taken like a ton of IQ tests just because.
0: I've never taken one, so I have no idea.
1: Yeah. They're, I mean, you can take them all all over the interwebs. Yeah. But I mean. Maybe that's what I'll do
0: later today and report
1: back to you? Cool. Um, I've taken several, it was kind of like an experiment I was doing. I would take one like right after work. And then I took one later at night when I was kind of tired. I've taken one in the morning to see like, and it, it definitely fluctuates. Oh, I bet. So I, I think my lowest score was, like, 131, and my highest was 142. Sheesh. (laughs) But I do think that... Now, an IQ test isn't, like, knowledge, like, education knowledge. It's pattern spotting. Right. So, I mean, for whatever that's worth, I don't know how really what that can measure. (laughs) Sure.
0: Um, just so everyone's aware, I've been feeling my allergies, like, fucking full force this week. My eyes have been on fire all week. Yeah,
1: they reported on the news that it was, like, a bad week for allergies. Yeah,
0: I've had, like, that, that very small tickle sensation in my throat all week that causes me to cough for no fucking reason. hmm
1: That's the worst. Oh, Terrible. And now
0: that I've sneezed, it feels like... My face is going to explode.
1: Yeah. Um, Great. I closed the big door. Okay. That's got to be Dakota. Um, anyway, so Gary Ridgeway's IQ was measured to be in the low 80s. So... Just based on that information, we can assume that by low 80s, it's lower than 85, so it would make his IQ below average. However, being dyslexic is probably skewing that low because by nature, being dyslexic, reading the question could confuse his ability to properly answer. Yeah. So, and this is... In the '50s and '60s, they weren't doing shit to help people's dyslexia. No, back no, then. because people with dyslexia don't now people with dyslexia. It's not necessarily a learn a learning disability. It's more of like a tailored learning situation. So, understanding how they learn because like Ariel, she struggles with dyslexia as well. It's but she has She has a very normal intelligence level. Yeah. Like, it's not... When you say learning disability, dyslexia is not hindering... Like, it does hinder people. It's a weird situation. If
0: the resources and tools aren't there, yes. it's hard
1: for them to... Yes. Keep moving up. Right. And once it's diagnosed, now, once people figure out that's the issue, you can tailor any education environment to help that person learn on the same level as the rest of the kids. Yeah. You just have to be in a school that's willing to do that. Right. But in the 50s and 60s, obviously, they just were like, okay, this guy, he's not smart. Mm -hmm. Fine.
0: Yeah.
1: And on to the next. So, I don't know if he actually was like below average intelligence, you know?
0: Or if he just didn't have what he needed. Yeah, it's very. To be succeeding. Yeah, there's no way to know now. No. Well, Gary graduated high school in 1969, and he married his high school girlfriend, Claudia Craig, soon after graduating. She was 19 and he was 20. He then joined the Navy and was sent to Vietnam, and he served on a supply ship and saw some combat. And during the time that he was in the military, he would frequently solicit sex from sex workers. And he did eventually contract gonorrhea, which is super unfortunate, but... uh, back then was probably very common yeah and it apparently angered him but he did nothing to prevent it and afterward he just continued to have unprotected sex with sex workers so that's great that's what an idiot
1: I guess this is pre HIV AIDS epidemic but Jesus you don't know this person no and I think a common practice for sex workers now is to require any clients to wear a condom. Yeah, to protect themselves. Yeah, obviously. That's very smart. Yeah. So. Seems
0: very common
1: sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you're protecting both parties in this situation, right? From obviously, the main thing is from disease. But also from pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So what? Gary's
0: just out here fucking Fucking. Literally. Literally. So gross. obviously Oh god gross. His marriage to Claudia ended within <laughs> a year.
1: Yeah, she was like, uh bye. Yeah.
0: No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. He would eventually remarry, um, and this woman was named Marsha Winslow. But this marriage also ended in divorce, with infidelity cited as the reason. But Marsha also described, like, really alarming instances with Ridgway. First of all, he became very religious during the marriage. Red flag. Yeah. Uh,
1: Let's not confuse his religious radicalism with people who
0: just, you know, find a faith. (laughs) <laughs> he would go door to door witnessing to people. He'd read the Bible aloud at work and at home and insisted that Marsha follow the strict teachings of their pastor. So, you know, so far this might not seem weird people. Yeah. Weird to me. It it's weird to me as well. Um but you know. He would also frequently cry after sermons or reading the Bible okay um but the true red flags were much more sinister (sighs) marcia claims that he placed her in a chokehold once no unacceptable and he would also try to get her to have sex in public and other inappropriate places sometimes in places where his victims bodies were later found This is... This is awkward. And the infidelity was, of course, Ridgeway continuing to solicit sex from sex workers. This seems to just be, like, a problem. Yeah, this is his
1: thing. He can... He's just always interacting with sex workers yeah
0: but in 1975 him and marcia had a son together his name was matthew and we think a lot about the children of serial serial killers yeah that must be fucking awful yeah how does that affect them do they think about it all the time do they tell people like is that their opening line when they meet new people like hi my dad is gary Ridgway.
1: Did he? Did Matthew change his last name from Ridgway to something else? Like his mom's maiden name or something? Now he's Matthew Winslow? That's what I would do. Yeah.
0: I would absolutely do that. 100%. But, like, the Golden State Killer's daughter wrote a book.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the book's title is. I didn't look it up. It's a very, like, weird situation. Because, you know, do you want to, like, read a book from... A D'Angelo, or you know, I don't know. It's a
0: that's rough.
1: It's rough. I
0: don't know. What, I don't know what would be worse: having a parent as a serial killer, or having a child that's a serial killer. Ooh, that's like a would you rather game question there.
1: You know what? I think I would rather have a parent that's a serial killer. Me
0: too, because you would not feel responsible for I'm, them in any way.
1: Absolutely not. You would be, like, it would be more of a situation of, instead of, what did I do wrong? It would be, like, am I fucked up?
0: Yeah. Or, like, I absolutely know I can do better than that. Like, I cannot be a serial killer, for starters.
1: Because you see that a lot in, like, rough childhoods of people. You have, like maybe one of the children turn out kind of like the parents and one of the children sees the parents and is like, there's no way I want to live my life like that. And yeah. so they do like the exact opposite. Right. So, is this like a
0: 50 50 thing? <laughs> like, we want to know what everyone thinks.
1: Would yeah. you rather
0: have a parent that's a serial killer or have a child that's a serial killer?
1: Yeah. We've both said parent. Absolutely. So what do you say? chip you have to respond to this question so
0: it's required yeah your job's on the line here after divorcing marcia he um married a third time to a woman named judith mawson um i just need to ask who are these women that gary
1: Ridgway is wooing into marriage Because I'll be honest with you, he isn't, uh, say, Ted Bundy. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Is. Now, while we don't think Ted Bundy is hot, when I see pictures of Ted Bundy in the 70s, I do understand that in the 70s, he was an attractive man.
0: Yeah. Must have been the unibrow that did it for women then.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the hair, the unibrow, the bell bottoms, sure. Right. Whatever. Gotcha. And we weren't as obsessed with nice teeth back then.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Right. Uh, but Gary Ridgway, you Mm, know, kind of looked like a Gary. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be confirmation bias, but he also kind of looks like he's nice, but does he have someone in the basement? The answer is yes. Yeah. He does. In fact.
0: Please beware of Ed's and Gary's.
1: <laughs> I mean, side-eye those fuckers immediately.
0: <laughs> Someone's listening to this right now with their husband named Ed, <laughs> and they're like, you do be doing some weird shit sometimes. <laughs> do I
1: smell something?
0: I need to check the crawl space. Um, so all three of Ridgeway's ex-wives said similar things about their time married to him. He apparently had like, just this fucking. What's what's the what's the word? Uh, would he be like considered like a nympho? Um, I don't, I don't
1: think nympho would be the word you'd want to use here because that typically is a positive. Oh, I guess you're right. So. <clears throat> A sex addict, I guess, is probably what he would technically be classified as. I just put insatiable. Yeah. Because, clearly, he's having sex with his wives all the time and also hiring sex workers. Yeah.
0: That's a lot of sex. Yeah. Um... All all three of his wives and even several of his girlfriends reported that he would demand sex from them several times a day and would often want to do it in public or in the woods. No. No, thank you. The woods? No. No one wants poison ivy there. No. No one wants to be laying on sticks and What about the bugs? Okay? The bugs, people. Mm. Um, Now, nothing actually stated that he forced them to have sex with him several times a day or if, like, they consented to that. But we would imagine that they felt like they had to consent. Mm Mm-hmm. And in that time period, you know, like, 70s, 80s, a lot of women still believed that they had to, like, bend the will of their husbands and it was their duty to have sex with their husbands whenever they wanted it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, not true. Right, because I think now there's laws in place that actually say it doesn't matter if your husband and wife it could still be rape if there's no consent.
0: Right. Back I mean, then,
1: marriage was like a blanket of protection on that.
0: Yeah.
1: You the husband or wife could not be charged with rape of their spouse.
0: Yeah.
1: Because marriage was the consent during this time, which is fucking gross.
0: Uh, Especially when you get stuck with someone like Gary Ridgway. Yeah. Demanding
1: sex from his wife multiple times a day. Aside from the logistical nightmare that is, that your vagina would just be fucking painful constantly. Yeah. But, I mean demanding it no thanks gary no thanks gary please keep away that's <clears throat> that's just gross it's so gross
0: he is a walking red flag
1: yeah that that's like the theme of this episode it's just like red flags and disgust yeah that's yeah. the that's gonna be the title of this episode gary Ridgway, red flags and disgust Okay, so we're going to talk about Gary Ridgway's first crime, um, which is interesting. So his first attack was when he was 16 years old. He stabbed a six-year-old boy. This is way out of his typical MO. He led the boy into the woods and then stabbed him through the ribs into his liver. This boy did survive the attack, and his identity is not disclosed, obviously, because he's a minor. Uh, What is odd about this crime is that the victim is nothing like Gary's typical victims that he would later target. Um, First, obviously, he exclusively targeted female victims, and they were predominantly sex workers. Um, But also... The age. The age. I do know that some of his victims were underage, but they were sex workers, so it it's a weird. You have a weird like they dynamic. They weren't in kindergarten. Yeah, they weren't six. Yeah. Um. So the age also was weird. He was only six, and it made me wonder. One, if there were other victims like this for from. Gary Ridgway when he was younger did he have multiple very young victims that we just don't know about
0: Yeah like in the early years
1: yes so like pre age 16 it obviously we don't know but speculation wouldn't put it past him but also did this six-year-old boy see Gary Ridgway doing something that he didn't want to get out. That could be it. I don't know. I wonder both of these things. And both things could obviously be true. They're not mutually exclusive or don't have to be. But there has to be a reason he attacked this 6-year-old boy.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, something triggered him either this was something he was doing at the time and there are other victims we've not discovered or the little boy saw him doing something suspicious. And Gary Ridgway was trying to silence him.
0: Could be. I don't know. Um, now we're going to talk about the murders. So throughout the 1980s and 90s, it's believed that Ridgway murdered at least 71 teenage girls and women near Seattle and Tacoma, Washington, but only 49 are confirmed. In court statements, Ridgeway later reported that he had killed so many that he had just lost count. Oh, my God. And a majority a majority of the murders occurred between 82 and 84. So that is a lot of fucking killing in two years. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, that's, that's... That's like a murder, like, every three days, I feel like.
1: Yeah, because if you think about it, there's, what, 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. So in two years...
0: Well, I guess it's not every three days. No.
1: Um, Please hold. We're doing the math right fuck. now. Oh, there's my calculator app. Okay, so I just need to know how many. Let's see. So we're talking 104 weeks mm-hmm. in two years. So what are we going to do? Divide that by <laughs> fucking 71. You guys are hearing the math live.
0: Every One, week and a half?
1: He's murdering every week and a half. Sheesh. And this says at least. So there could be more. Yeah. So he's he's killing someone every single week for two years straight.
0: That is fucking insane. He, I feel like he had to have been gone quite a bit. Yeah. Did his wives not think this was weird? Or they were just like, fucking Gary's gone again. Or they were relieved. Weird, same time. They were probably just relieved, like, thank fuck he's gone. Yeah. Can leave me alone. Yeah, like, I wonder what he's doing on Wednesday nights from, you know, 9 to 1 a.m. Yeah. Anyways. So, the victims were believed to either be sex workers or runaways. Um and he picked them up along, the, along Pacific Highway South and sometimes showed the women a picture of his son just to trick them into trusting him. Yep. And they would engage in sexual activity, and after minutes of intercourse from behind, Ridgway would wrap his forearm around the front of their necks and use the other arm to pull back as tightly as he could and strangle them. And he killed most of his victims in his home or in his truck or another secluded area. And then most of their bodies were dumped in wooded areas around the Green River. Um, or the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. Okay. And other dump sites within South King County. What I really enjoy and
1: articles and i think i pointed this out in another episode but it says he would kill most of his victims in his home his truck or a secluded area so everywhere yeah i mean what are we leaving out
0: restaurants
1: All, yeah he's oh he's not killing them in public great okay you really narrowed that the fuck down. cool he
0: he straight up did not care where he was doing this
1: no he'd just be out here killing yeah and where i want to know obviously he went through multiple divorces during this time so would he take them to his house if he didn't have a wife there or are his wives just there chilling just completely oblivious to what's happening or did they know or what what's going on
0: this is a question that will never have an answer. Yeah, that's true. It's real rough, man. Yep. There were also two confirmed and another two suspected victims found in the Portland, Oregon area. And the bodies were often left in clusters, sometimes posed, and usually nude. Mm-hmm. So this is giving me, like, Lisk vibes, like the clusters. Yeah. He would sometimes return to the victims' bodies and have sex with them again. Oh, my God. Gross. And later he explained that he did not find necrophilia more sexually satisfying, but having sex with the deceased reduced his need to obtain a living victim and thus limited his exposure to being caught. I don't buy it. I don't fucking buy it. That no. is... That is so... Ridiculous in every single way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, because most of the bodies were not discovered until only the, skele- the skeletons remained, um, two victims are still unidentified. <sighs> That's really sad. I hate it whenever... There are victims that are unidentified. That
1: makes me really depressed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, Ridgway would usually contaminate the dump sites with gum, cigarettes, and written materials that belong to other people. He even transported a few victims' remains across state lines into Oregon to confuse the police. I don't... Uh, th- that's a crazy amount of foresight. Um, I'm
0: thinking I have to stop this for a very special announcement. Maddie just got a fucking notification on her computer that said it's national ravioli day. What? It was like an email to like a fucking something. (laughs) And it was like national ravioli day calls for 50% off. 50% off from where? I don't know. Fuck Gary right now. We need to figure out how we're obtaining raviolis at this point.
1: This is wild and crazy. It was an email? Why didn't I get it on my phone? HelloFresh has been spamming the fuck out of me, by the way. We've been using Blue Apron the last couple of months, and so HelloFresh is like, hey. Hey, 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 hey. hey. You want 75% off? Hey. I'm like, yo, cool it. National Ravioli Day, you guys. Uh, I did... Uh, There's, like, a group at my work. They organize company-wide events. And every now and then we'll have cool stuff in our, like, cafeteria. And they do a lot of the national, like, holidays. So they did National Pie Day. And so you pay $5 and you just fucking get pie. Or you can pay $40 and you get all the events for the year. It's a charity situation. Um, My birthday is national ice cream day
0: yeah that's that's on
1: the nose that's a
0: yeah if you want any international fucking whatever day you want ice cream day yeah so although i'd settle for ravioli day
1: or national donut day or national mashed potatoes day yes is that a thing I didn't know National Ravioli Day was a thing, so it has to be National Hash Brown Day.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, moving along moving to the right. gruesome murders yeah. of whoever the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Gary, fucking Gary Ridgway.
1: Um, in the early nineteen eighties, the King County Sheriff's Office formed the Green River Task Force to investigate these murders. Um, the task force members included Robert Keppel and Dave Reichert, who periodically interviewed incarcerated serial killer, Ted Bundy. Lame. This is the most we're going to talk about Ted Bundy on this podcast ever. Lame. Yeah, we we hate Ted Bundy. Anyway, uh, they interviewed him a lot in 1984. Ted offered his opinions on the psychology, motivations, and behavior of the killer, he suggested that the killer was revisiting the dump sites to have sex with his victims, which turned out to be true. Gross. And if police found a fresh grave, they should stake it out and wait for him to come back. Also contributing to the investigation was John E. Douglas, who developed a profile of the suspect. I think John Douglas is the mind hunter guy. Yes. So, big wig. Yeah. Um... Ridgway was arrested in 1982 and in 2001, both for charges related to prostitution. I'm guessing this charge is soliciting prostitution. Because he's uh, probably not out here trying to right. sell it. Right. He became a suspect in the Green River Killings in 1983, but obviously they didn't really have enough evidence and in 1984, he was given a polygraph and, um, on April 7th, 1987, police took care and saliva samples from Ridgeway. Uh, obviously he passed the polygraph in 1984. This might be our first case that we've ever done where the suspect ta- suspect takes and passes the polygraph. I don't think we've seen any other that we've covered where this happens.
0: I don't think so. We've had a lot of
1: people fail him. Yeah. But I think this really shows how unreliable the polygraph is. He's absolutely guilty of these crimes, which we know for a fact, but he passed. Obviously, it's a good thing the investigators had the foresight to collect the hair and saliva samples, regardless of what the polygraph said. Yeah. I think this is a situation where in their guts they knew this guy did it. They just couldn't prove it. But I think in the mid to late 80s DNA testing was just being talked about. Yep. And so they they were like we're going to take his DNA and hold it. Yeah, cuz why not? Cuz why not? And hold it until it's At a stage where we can actually do something with it, which is really smart. Yeah. So, excellent job to the Green River Task Force. Around 1985, Ridgway began dating a woman named Judith Mawson, and this is who became his third wife, who he married in 1988. Mawson claimed in 2010 in a television interview that when she moved into his house while they were still dating, there was no carpet. Uh huh. Detectives later told her he had probably wrapped a body in the carpet. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, yeah. Duh. Clearly. In the same interview, she described how he would leave for work early in the morning some days ostensibly, or allegedly, for the overtime pay. Um, But she speculated that he must have committed some of the murders while supposedly working these early morning shifts.
0: Of course he did.
1: Duh. She claimed that she did not suspect Ridgway's crimes before she was contacted by the authorities in 1987 and had not even heard of the Green River Killer before that time because she didn't watch the news, uh, which, I mean, it's fair. I don't watch the news, but it's because news just inundates you from all areas of life now. Absolutely. You you don't have to watch news to to get the news. No. You're, you for, just, you're yeah. force-fed. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a really great aspect of being alive now. What the fuck is going on? Is that you? No, that's you. Shit, what is happening? Where's my phone at? My screen report, my screen time was up 15% last week. Fuck me then. (laughs) Um, author Penny Moore had interviewed Ridgeway while he was in prison. And he said that while he was in the relationship with Judith Mawson, his kill rate went down and that he truly loved her. Of his 49 known victims, only three were killed after he married uh, Judith Mawson. Only three. Good job, Gary. I mean, way to exercise some self-control gross judith Mawson told a local television reporter quote i feel i have saved lives by being his wife and making him happy end quote
0: i don't want to talk about that quote
1: uh it's, oh my god
0: i literally have no comment n- hmm. no
1: okay <laughs> we're just gonna fucking move on
0: we're gonna pretend like that was never said
1: no no that's that's a ridiculous thing to say Um, Anyway, so the samples that they collected in 1987 were, of course, later subjected to DNA profiling, providing the evidence for his arrest warrant. So on November 30th, 2001, Gary Ridgway was at the Kenworth truck factory where he worked as a spray painter when police arrived to arrest him. Ridgway was arrested on suspicion of murdering four women nearly 20 years earlier after being identified as a potential suspect when the DNA evidence conclusively linked semen left in the victims to the saliva sw- uh, swab taken by police. Now, those four victims that were named in the original indictment were Marcia Chapman, Opal Mills, Cynthia Hines... And Carol Ann Christensen. Three more victims, Wendy Colefield, Deborah Bonner, and Deborah Estes were added to the indictment after forensic testing identified microscopic spray paint spheres as the specific brand and composition of paint used at the Kenworth factory during the time when these victims were killed. So these are the first victims that he was charged with killing subsequently we'll we'll get to 49 eventually. Yeah. But these were the first <clears throat> women. Now I have to adjust where I'm sitting because the sun has moved. Okay. So now we get into the thick of it. Yeah. So that's the overview. Now we're going to do the investigation timeline um and how they the police kind of were Yeah. We were focusing on Ridgeway. Now we're going to focus on the
0: police. So July 15th, 1982, the body of his first victim is discovered. Um, So in July of 82, children found the strangled body of Wendy Caulfield, who was 16, floating in Seattle's Green River and over the following weeks, four more bodies were discovered in or along its banks. All women, all were strangled. On August 15th, three more bodies were found and Detective David, was it Reichert? Reichert was one of the first authorities to arrive at the scene. Marcy Chapman, who was 31, was found in the shallow water alongside the naked body of 17-year-old Cynthia Hines, and nearby in the undergrowth lay the body of Opal Mills. She was 16. Um, Her blue trousers were knotted around her neck, and her breasts were exposed, and bruises were apparent on both her arms and legs. August 16th, um, which is the next day, um, the task force is set up and after King County Sheriff's Office set up the Green River Task Force to investigate the killings the body count kept rising as more victims were discovered along the river and in the area around the, the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport over the next two years the Green River killer sexually assaulted and murdered more than 40 other women um, a quote from Reichert in Time Magazine, he said every time he found a body, it was like being hit on the head with a baseball bat.
1: Mm, yeah, <clears throat> that has to be really traumatic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, and crazy.
0: On April 30th, 1983, um, this is when Ridgway first becomes a suspect. In the spring of '83, Prostitute Marie Malvar, who was 18 years old, was last seen by her boyfriend getting into a paint-patched pickup with a dark-haired man about 30 to 40 years old. Four days later, police questioned Ridgway at his home about his knowledge of Malvar, whom he denied knowing. In November, police once again spoke with Ridgway about the murders. But he denied any knowledge of the victims, and authorities lacked any evidence to, like, connect him to these crimes. But, in 2003, Ridgway told investigators he stood against a fence during his original 1983 questioning to conceal scratches that Malvar had left on his arm while trying to escape. He said that he then burned the scratches with battery acid to disguise them once the detectives had left. That is fucking wild. Battery acid, gross. So now we're in May of 84. This is when he passes the polygraph test. And at this point, he's already a person of interest due to his known association um, within, with the area's prostitutes. Ridgway contacted police with the supposed interaction Inten- I'm so sorry. With the supposed intention of assistance, he then passed a polygraph test in which he denied killing any women. So in 1986, a couple of years later, this is when police receive an offer of help from Bundy. Mm. And with few reliable leads in the whole Green River Killer case, um, authorities at this point were just desperate for any information And having read about the ongoing case in the press, um, Ted Bundy wrote to Reichert offering his help. He said, don't ask me why I believe I'm an expert in this area. Just accept that I am and we'll start from there. That's what he wrote to this detective from a Florida jail where he was on death row. What a smartass. So Reichert flew to Florida where Bundy was being held and um, during discussions Bundy reportedly advised authorities that the killer may be revisiting the victims corpses and performing sexual acts on them which was a hypothesis that Ridgway later confirmed the information that Bundy provided actually helped the investigators get inside the mind of a killer especially one who knew the Washington area really well and they did eventually capture Ridgeway in 2001 which seems like such a long time. Such a long time. So, some reports say that at some point Bundy suggested that the Green River Killer, who he called Riverman, mm. lame, um, might be going back to the sites that he left the bodies. And so, this is when he suggested that the detectives stake out fresh burial sites. Reichert also said that Bundy would tell him actions he expected Ridgway to do, but in reality, they were veiled confessions of things that Bundy had already done. Right. And um, Reichert had said, it was as if Mr. Bundy was jealous of the attention that the Green River Killer was getting.
1: Yeah. Or he was just fantasizing about what he
0: would do himself. Right wish he would have done these things. Ugh, gross. Oh,
1: that's so dis- Ugh, that's so disturbing. I'm so like sickened now. Yeah. Okay. So now we're at 1987. This is when Gary Ridgway provides his DNA sample that would eventually eventually be his downfall. So because Ridgway was the last person allegedly seen with two of the victims, police eventually searched his home and vehicles in 87 in connection with the murders. So it was at that time that Ridgway finally provided police with a saliva sample, and that would later tie him to the crimes, obviously. But due to insufficient DNA testing in 87, he remained a free person for until 2001. So in March of 2001, the DNA testing expands and obviously is able to be performed on these victims and it connects Gary Ridgway to three murders. So with new techniques and forensic testing, investigators re-examine evidence from across the years the killer was active. It was, quote, a last-ditch effort, according to Beverly Hemick, a Washington State Patrol crime lab forensic scientist. She said this to the New York Times, quote, we didn't have a lot to work with, but we went through a lot of evidence again. We rinsed all the fingernails to look for trace evidence, swabbed the ligatures for cellular material. With one girl, we were able to find a few sperm clinging to her pubic hair. Unquote. "So these DNA DNA profiles from these three victims were compared with Gary Ridgway and thanks to the saliva sample it was a match in all three cases. So on November 30th, 2001, police announced the arrest of the Green River Killer." Nearly two decades after the first murder, King County Sheriff uh, David Riker announced that Gary Ridgway, 52, was arrested in connection with four of the Green River Killers' early victims: Marsha Chapman, Opal Mills, Cynthia Hines, and Carol Ann Christensen, whose bodies were recovered in 1983. So on November 5th, 2003, Gary Ridgway pleads guilty. In a plea bargain that would spare him the death penalty in return for his confession and information regarding the details of the murders and locations of the bodies, Gary Ridgway entered a guilty plea to 48 charges of aggravated first-degree murder. Whoa. This is what he had to say in a statement. Quote, I killed so many women, I have a hard time keeping them straight. Fuck you. Um, He admitted he killed most of his victims in his house or truck before disposing of the bodies, adding that in most cases he did not even know his victims' names. He said, quote, most of the time I killed them the first time I met them, and I do not have a good memory for their faces, end quote. That's disgusting. That's, like, the most disgusting thing. Gross, 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 gross. So... When he was explaining why he chose women he thought to be sex workers, he said that they were easy to pick up without being noticed. I knew they would not be reported missing right away or might never be reported missing. I picked prostitutes because I thought I could kill as many of them as I wanted without getting caught. End quote. That's the thought process that a lot of killers have and why they pick sex workers is because they think they won't be missed. Yeah. Which um I <clears throat> it's a really weird even if they're not missed by people in their lives to report them missing. He left them on the bank of the Green River so they were always going to be found. Right. So that defeats the purpose of picking people who will not be missed if they are just going to be discovered by police. Whatever. I can't begin to try and speculate what killers do or why they do it. Still just seems like a flaw in the plan. Um, anyway, so on December eighteenth, two 2003... Um, Gary Ridgway is sentenced for his crimes. A King County Superior Court judge sentenced Gary Ridgway to 48 life sentences to be, to be served consecutively with no possibility of parole. Um, cool. So charges, confession, conviction. We've already kind of gone through his charges and his conviction, but there was some nuance. So, early in August of 2003, Seattle television news reported that Gary Ridgway had been moved from a maximum security cell at King County Jail to an Arroway Heights minimum to medium security level tank. Other news reports stated that his lawyers, led by Anthony Savage, were closing a plea bargain that would spare him the death penalty in return for his confession to a number of the Green River murders. He then led prosecutors to three bodies in 2003, and on August 16th of that year, the remains of a 16-year-old girl found near Enumclaw, Washington, 40 feet from State Route 410 were pronounced t- as belonging to Pammy Annette Avent, who had been believed to be a victim of the Green River Killer. The remains of Marie Malvar and April Butram were also found in September of 2003. On November 23rd of 2005, the Associated Press reported that a weekend hiker found the skull of one of the 48 women Ridgway admitted to murdering in his 2003 plea bargain with King County Prosecutors. This was the skull of another victim named Tracy Winston, who was 19 when she disappeared from Northgate Mall on September 12, 1983, and was found November 20, 2005, near Highway 18 in Issaquah, southeast of Seattle. On November 5, 2003, Gary Ridgeway entered a guilty plea of the 48 charges of aggravated first-degree murder he had agreed to in June and that would spare him execution. In his statement that accompanied his guilty plea, Gary Ridgway explained that he had killed all of his victims inside King County, Washington, and he had transported and dumped the remains of two women near Portland to confuse the police. Deputy Prosecutor Jeffrey Baird noted in court that the deal contained, quote, the names of 41 victims who would not be subject To State versus Ridgeway, if it were not for the plea agreement. End quote. King County prosecuting attorney Norm Malling explained his decision to make the deal. He said, We would have gone forward with seven counts, but that is all we could have ever hoped to solve. At the end of that trial, whatever the outcome, there would have been lingering doubts about the rest of these crimes. This agreement was the avenue to the truth, and in the end, the search for the truth is still why we have criminal justice system. Gary Ridgway does not deserve our mercy. He does not deserve to live. The mercy provided by today's resolution is directed not at Ridgway but towards the families who have suffered so much. Okay, cool. Um, Thank you for that. It's a hard line. Yeah. You know, do you make the deal so you can find all the victims and identify them? Or do you go for the throat? I don't know. I don't know. See, on December 18th of 2003... King County Superior Court, Richard Jones sentenced Ridgway to 48 life sentences, no possibility of parole, blah, blah, blah. He also sentenced an additional 10 years for tampering with evidence for each of the 48 victims, adding 480 years to his 48 life sentences. In a taped interview with Riker on December 31st, 2003, Gary Ridgway claimed to have murdered 71 victims and confessed to having had sex with them before killing them, a detail which he did not reveal until after his sentencing. Cool. Um, not that it really mattered, because you're never getting out of prison anyway, but I think the sexual assault portion would have added a uh, an aggravating factor to the To the counts, and maybe would have put the death penalty back on the table. So, whatever. Uh, Ridgway confessed to more confirmed murders than any other American serial killer. Over a period of five months of police and prosecutor interviews, he confessed to 48 murders, 42 of which were on the police's list of probable Green River killer victims. In February ni- on February 9th, 2004, county prosecutors began to release the videotape records of Ridgway's confessions. In one taped interview, he initially told investigators he res- was responsible for the deaths of 65 women. In his confession, he acknowledged that he targeted sex workers because they were easy to pick up and he hated most of them. He confessed he had sex with his victims' bodies after he murdered them, but claimed he began burying the later victims so he could resist the urge to commit necrophilia. He would later say that murdering young women was his, quote, career. Uh, So...
0: That's the Green River Killer. Yeah, that was nice and light for a Sunday morning. Totally. <laughs> Most people are, like, having breakfast with their family right now or heading off to church. They're, like, showered and fresh and they're about to go to fucking a greenhouse to buy new plants. And
1: Yeah. You know, and we're here just telling you all about some horrible
0: person. And all the people he hurt. That's, I mean, we make this sacrifice for Yeah, everyone who's listening.
1: Yeah. Our mental sanity is the price we pay.
0: Yeah. Everyone else is in their Sunday
1: best, and here we are.
0: Yeah, I'm wearing the leggings I wore yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even brush my teeth before I came over here. I'm not going to lie about that.
1: I did brush my teeth.
0: When I woke up? I was like um, zombie mode when I mm-hmm. woke up. I literally in the dark knew this hoodie was in the dirty laundry basket, did one of these, found it, walked out, put it on, mm
1: hmm. Left. Yeah. I did sleep in this shirt. Actually I slept, I slept in, in all of this. I slept in this shirt. Yeah, I I slept in all of this except the flannel I'm wearing. Yeah. This is Dakota's, and I was just chilled, so I put it
0: on. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Speaking of plants and people out buying plants today, I have a new plant. Now, this is not... Okay, so it's partially my first plant. So I have two actual alive plants. One of them is a succulent that I already told Emily this morning. I, I think it's alive. It could be partially dead, um, but my the windows in my house face north and south, so I don't get any sun in the windows. Right. So, I feel like the reason why the succulent looks not very succulent is because it needs more sun, but I don't have any yeah. way to get it sun.
0: You could bring it up here?
1: I could bring it up here.
0: And, like, um, literally just set it behind, behind there the for computer. a few hours? Yeah. Or until I'm, it...
1: Yeah, I might start putting it, I might bring it up here and let it be on the desk, because this is the only, like, east-facing window Yeah. that has, like, a surface I could set it on.
0: It's inconvenient, but I mean...
1: See, the house facing north and south means that we don't, like, in the summer times, we don't get that evening heat, like, making the house hot. Right. So that is a plus. But if you want plants, you're fucked. If you had any cats, they'd be pissed. Yeah. Um, but the new plant I got is called a raven plant, and that is because the leaves start out green, and as they mature, they turn black.
0: Where'd you get the, Get this? Lowe's. Oh.
1: Um, I was there buying a plant for a friend, her birthday. We went to a birthday dinner for her last weekend, and she's a plant person. Her name is Carissa. Happy birthday, Carissa. I don't know if she listens. Um, but I went to buy her a pant, a plant, not a pant, a plant. Um, and I saw the raven plant and I was like, a plant that turns black as it ages needs to be in my home. Hopefully I keep it alive. I don't know.
0: After seeing it, I'm going to need to get one.
1: I've only had it for one week, but it looks fine. April did eat part of it though. she will be all right. Yeah, it was only just one stalk of the plant, and I think it will regrow fine.
0: Absolutely. It still
1: looks very full and pretty. So, But every day when I've gotten home from work this week that it has been sunny, I just take it outside and set it outside so it can get the evening sun. But it doesn't require a ton of sun.
0: It's probably warm enough by now for maybe to set it outside. Let's see.
1: As long as it's 50 degrees, it can be outside.
0: It's 54. Yeah, so Damn, it's, it's supposed to get up to 77 today. That It's
1: it's March. It's, Stop it. Stop it with the 77. Yesterday was good.
0: But the high Wednesday is 43 with snow.
1: I, the extreme weather is making me very I I don't know what to do. I I just got four new beanies in the mail.
0: I feel like life is chaotic at this point. It's
1: giving me so much chaos here. You know what? This is it's apocalyptic for sure. We're living seeing...
0: in the most demure apocalypse ever. This has been on the horizon for years at this point. Yes, it has. And no one truly accepts that. No. Except us. Except us. I've Mentally,
1: I have fully accepted. Right. I have fully accepted it.
0: And mentally, we have both prepared. Have we done anything in actual preparation? No.
1: I do have the boots, though.
0: Well, I mean, I'm trying to think what I have that could even contribute. Hmm. Mm, nothing. Nothing. Let's see. Uh, I have the boots. I...
1: Um, I don't have anything else to contribute. Um, I don't have any weapons that I can use to protect myself or anyone else. Artie is not trained. April, she's
0: never going to keep up. Binks might come in very handy. He's kind of stealthy. He's and, like yeah. a yeah. He's like a little assassin.
1: Yeah, we'll have to train him. To stop wielding the straws and wield, like, a scalpel.
0: Yes. I think he'd do very well with that.
1: Because the scalpel is small enough that he can handle it, but deadly. Right. So.
0: What? You need to see him flying through the air at a zombie With temple. a scalpel.
1: <laughs> Where are we going to get a scalpel? Uh, Amazon. I doubt you can buy, like, a medical-grade scalpel on Amazon.
0: Does it need to be medical-grade or just back-alley-grade?
1: It needs to be able to legit, like, cut through, like, not just skin, but muscle and sinew.
0: But if they're zombies... Has it deteriorated? I believe so. Yes. They're a little squishy.
1: Just a bag of mush.
0: Gross. Just a straight bag of mush.
1: Now I'm thinking about it and it's making me very sick.
0: We need to get we need to have a meeting with our other halves and get this shit locked down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Full plan. Yeah, full plan. Uh, I I am gonna
1: order the Doc Martins, by the way. The boots. Okay. I think I'm gonna go with the whites. Since I have black boots already, I'm gonna go with the whites. I'll probably get the black ones eventually, but yeah. They're a lot because I want to get the leather ones because they're going to last. I understand. Because they have patent leather as well that are cheaper, but I'm going to go with quality versus quantity.
0: Maybe instead of me, I really need to buy like maybe two or three new pair of chucks. Mm -hmm. Both of my white, my white high tops are just fucked at this point. Mm -hmm. You can't can't clean them. You can't bring them back. No, you can't. Um, so maybe instead of doing that, I should buy boots instead. Yeah. Go, with, go with the docks yeah. for sure. Well, um, I have to go pick up my children. Oh yeah, that's right. From my mother's house. They, mm. uh, went to grandma's last night. Nice. She really likes them. So that's good. You know, they really like grandma. As you do. I think they enjoy her and being there more than me and being at home. Probably. I mean, I always was down to go to my
1: grandma's. Absolutely. So. All right. um, Please subscribe. Share the show. Yeah. Give us a rating. Write us a review. You know, the stuff and the things. And just make sure to follow. Yeah. Follow our shit. I mean... Just hit that little plus sign. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah. It would really help us out, and we would appreciate it immensely. Um, So do that. That's your assignment. And then Haley and Ariel. Ariel had a birthday last week. Happy birthday to Ariel, our music producer. And Haley, our artiste. Thank you guys for all of your hard work and effort. Hell yeah. So, congratulations on being a part of our show. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> um, anyway, in the meantime, please be kind to one another. And
0: stay weird. Okay, goodbye.